This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 64 degrees at 904. The forecast for today. Mostly sunny skies, a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms this afternoon, and a high in the lower 80s. Vestal Police are providing some more information, including that two people died in a crash on the Vestal Parkway late Monday night. Authorities say a Binghamton man was driving the wrong way on the Vestal Parkway between Plaza Drive and Murray Hill Road shortly before 11 p.m. before the head-on collision that killed a Johnson City couple. Based on the initial investigation, police said a 2019 Chevrolet Equinox was traveling eastbound in the westbound lanes of the parkway when it collided with the 2016 Nissan sedan traveling westbound. Police say 57-year-old Alfred Latissa and 60-year-old Paula Latissa of Johnson City were in the sedan. Alfred Latissa was pronounced dead at the scene, while Paula was pronounced dead a short time later at Wilson Hospital. Investigators say the Equinox was driven by 21-year-old Stephen Moran of Binghamton, who was taken to the hospital with what police described as non-life-threatening injuries, his condition not available. No charges have yet been filed in connection with the collision. The investigation continues. The parkway was closed until about 8 the following morning as a result of the crash and the investigation. New York Governor Kathy Hochul is instructing local governments to have plans in place for preventing domestic terrorism. Counties are being encouraged to develop threat assessment and management teams as part of their domestic terrorism prevention plans with $10 million in state money available to assist them. Hochul recently attended a two-day threat assessment and management summit in Oriskany. She discussed the importance of domestic terrorism prevention plans in the wake of the horrific terror attack in Buffalo, Hochul's hometown. As part of the local prevention plans, county governments are to create and operate threat assessment management teams that would be made up of law enforcement, mental health professionals, school officials, and others given the task of identifying, assessing, and mitigating threats of targeted violence in a community. Executive Order 18 directs every county and the city of New York to develop and maintain a plan to address the threat of domestic terrorism, including racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, and orders the New York State Police to establish a new unit in the State Intelligence Center dedicated to tracking domestic violent extremism and to increase social media monitoring for items promoting violent extremism. The attack on a Buffalo supermarket in May, in which a white Conklin teen is accused of driving hours from Broome County in order to kill black people, reportedly was foreshadowed by postings on social media and previous actions by the defendant during his senior year in high school. WMBF News Time 907. A Christian pastor in western New York says he feels intimidated and harassed after the state attorney general, a Democrat, sent a letter saying she believed a planned far-right political event at his church this week could lead to racial violence. In the letter sent August 3rd, Attorney General Letitia James warned organizers of the Reawaken America Tour event that her office could take legal action if extremist rhetoric by speakers spurred violent or unlawful conduct. The two-day event at the Cornerstone Church in Batavia, that's about halfway between Buffalo and Rochester, was scheduled to feature President Donald Trump's son Eric, former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, and others. James' letter was a 
addressed to Flynn and event organizer Clay Clark, but was sent in care of the church. Cornerstone Church pastor Paul Doyle says there was no validity to the suggestion the event was promoting racism or violence. He says the letter had scared members of his congregation, a group of about 150 to 200 people, which he describes as multi-ethnic and multiracial. A few dozen people gathered outside the Batavia Church earlier this week to protest the event, which will also feature my pillow CEO, Mike Lydell, COVID-19 conspiracy theorists, and people who tried to throw out the results of the 2020 presidential election. James says she was concerned that the event, which is being held on the five-year anniversary of the Unite Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, quote, could spur extremist or racially motivated violence. Pennsylvania State Police, they they are investigating what started as a gun owner thinking he was just forgetful, but turned into a stolen weapon complaint. Troopers say a 49-year-old Telford, Pennsylvania man was moving last month and thought he had misplaced his pistol and shotgun, but now thinks they were stolen. The man reports sometime between midnight on July 13th and 7 a.m. July 16th, he lost track of his weapons. The missing firearms are now reported as stolen. They're described as a Smith & Wesson or Swaziland brushed stainless finish, 10-round S&W 9mm pistol, and a camo finish Mossberg 12-gauge pump-action shotgun. The pistol is valued at $900, while the shotgun is valued at $500. The guns apparently were misplaced or stolen in the area of Hall Road and Brushville Road in New Milford Township in Susquehanna County. Anyone with leads in the case can contact the Pennsylvania State Police in Gibson at 570-465-5154. WMBF News Time 909. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast mostly sunny today, a 30% chance of late afternoon showers and thunderstorms. A high in the low 80s, mostly clear tonight, a low in the mid-50s. Sunny tomorrow, a high in the upper 70s. Saturday, sunny, a high near 80. Sunday, mostly sunny, a high in the low 80s. And Monday, partly sunny, a 50% chance of showers and a high in the mid-70s. Currently, it's 64 in Binghamton with a dew point of 57. It's 11 past 9, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 F. Welcome to your quiet island, WNBF 92.1 FM. You are quiet island, where life is simply beautiful. Also available at 1290 AM and streaming live at WNBF. Com. This is your summer place. Hey everyone, welcome to the big broadcast. It's Thursday with uh, the one and only Bob Joseph, live and local, doing it completely without a script. We'll be taking your phone calls now at 607-772-1290. Ron from Binghamton. Hey Bob, you did it again. Summer, a summer place. The music. Because this hey. is your summer place. Well, you know what? That movie starred 
my when I was 15 years old, my heartthrob, Sandra D., who was from Bayonne, New Jersey, just like me. And when I just hear, like Exxon Mobil. Just like uh, Getty Oil, Exxon Mobil. <laughs> I was listening to yeah. um, Don't Tell Anybody. I was listening to an interview on my way in, and they were talking about the art of uh, some sections of New Jersey, how actually some of the industrial installations in um, probably parts of New Jersey that are very familiar to you actually can be taken as works of art. There there are photographers who um, they specialize in, in taking pictures, whether in the United States or Germany, of um, large industrial installations. And it's true, depending on how you look at something, it can be, it can be considered art. I mean, I'm sure the people in uh, Bayonne and many other parts of New Jersey, including my favorite... Uh, oh, Hackettstown. No, not, no, what's my real favorite? Hackensack. Hackensack is my root four Hackensack, baby. You know, I have, I have precious memories of root four near Hackensack and, and near Hackensack General Hospital. And then also back at the Exxon station where they would fill my tank. They filled my tank with a smile, and they wouldn't. I, I offered to pump my own gas, and they said, "Oh no, jolly New Yorker, that's against the law here. We'll do it for you." Oh yeah, and it, hey, they'll uh, wipe your windshield down. They'll check your oil and vinegar. The whole bit. I know. I love it. I love it. That's yeah. the, that's why. That's why if there was one state I ever wanted to move to, I don't want to move, but if there was ever a state that I uh, would consider relocating to, of course, it would be New Jersey. Uh, there's there's help for that. There are groups that can help you with that. <laughs> it, might take, it might take years of therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Hey, Bob, I the reason I'm calling today, I, I'm thinking, would you like – uh, to get out to your listeners some information that could be very helpful to them financially and also help our community and even the earth? How does that sound? Oh, okay. Okay. Well, Bob, think of this. Back in 1994, the Environmental Protection Agency issued a safety warning about drinking well water because uh, the well pumps were leaching lead, and the government urged people with wells to start using bottled water until they have had you know upgraded to, I think, stainless steel. So from that, um, the nation, the notion got out that uh, we should drink bottled water, and some enterprising uh, corporations started to sell people water. And uh, in fact, most of the water, which to this day we're drinking, uh, is basically water which is taken from regular water systems and given some treatment and put in a bottle and sold back to you at a tremendous uh, increase in cost. So I I think, and also, you've got with bottled water, um, and a lot of, you know, it's interesting, a lot of the 
the people who are on, uh, shall we say, the, the the left side of the uh, ledger, you know, the, the um, I don't want to mention any towns, but you might guess, you know, the people who, who uh, go to uh, green markets and things like that, they, they tend to carry water around with them and buy expensive water. And it, it takes uh, 2,000, I've read 2,000 times more energy to produce a cup of bottled water than tap water. And 70% of all plastic bottles end up as litter. Uh, another thing I read recently, litter on the ocean is twice the size of the state of Texas. That's how much litter is on the ocean, and much of that are these plastic bottles. So here's my advice. Save your money. Don't be duped by drinking water, which is basically water from uh, regular systems, and uh, you know, take the water from your tap. If you want to filter it, buy one of those pitcher filters, put a filter in there. And then pour it in, in a, your own metal container if you want to take it with you. You'll save money. You'll save the environment. And you won't fall victim to this immense scam, which is selling us back water, which comes from public water systems. What do you think of that? I have a lot to say, but unfortunately... Um... You know the program only runs till noon, so maybe maybe tomorrow or Monday, I'll uh, be able to consolidate my thoughts and and put them into uh, a shorter version. I will say, if people want to do some research about the entire bottled water industry, I recommend you go to your Google machine. Oh my gosh! If people only knew the entire story of the of big water. I mean, I'm talking about Nestle Waters, which they own so many brand names, including Poland Spring. Um, uh, the story of Dasani, and which I believe is owned by Coke. Uh, Aquafina, which I believe is owned by Pesby. Um, just Google Big Water and prepare to read hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of um Intriguing information. You might never buy a bottle of water again. Absolutely, and uh, you're you'll you know you will be in your way helping the environment. I mean, yeah, no, it's yeah. a terrible, it's a terrible, terrible thing. And the fact that you know the fact that it started uh, small but grew big so quickly. I mean, I'm all for people making money, and certainly, clearly, through marketing, you know, with the implication. I think bottled water started innocuously enough with Perrier. And I remember, whatever, four decades ago when Perrier was sort of first on the scene, and I'm thinking, well, this is all the swell rich people drink Perrier. And it came in those, uh, I love the, you know, the bottle design, the green tapered design. And I thought, wow, with a design like that, a name like Perrier and all those connotations, this must be great. And, of course, anybody who has enjoyed Perrier knows that it's, we'll just say it's an acquired taste, almost like Moxie. No, Moxie is yeah. better. <laughs> anyway, thank you for your call. It's very provocative. And um, we'll see what other people have to say about um, bottled water and why sh we should at least, at a minimum, take steps to wean ourselves off our bottled water habit.
Very good. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. 921 WNBF Earth Radio 1290. We care about the environment. Go hug a tree. Larry from Kirkwood. Good morning. Mr. Suave, what a great beginning to the show today. <laughs> it's fantastic. And it's, by the way, tomorrow will be even better. <laughs> Man, I, I like that. I, I, I forgot the name of that song, but I glad, I'm glad that one color said that it was a summer place. That was, that was good. I like that. I love it. I love it, especially yeah. this time of year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. So, what's going on in the world today? <laughs> oh, nothing. Nothing really. Nothing much. Glad you asked. Now, everything everything calmed down over the last 24 hours. Everything is fine now. Yesterday, things didn't look so good, but today, things look uh, much better. Everybody is happy. I uh, have talked to a few people already. You know, again, as I mentioned, uh, usually on my way in, I actually do reporting. And I have uh, a great, a fabulous, a fabulous story that people will enjoy from Endwell uh, coming up. Because I, I am a reporter who never seems to stop. I don't know better. So, I mean, the, the average reporter, when they drive into work, they're like, you know, I think I'll drive into work. Maybe I'll get myself a coffee. Me, I say, I don't have time to get myself a coffee. I have to go out and do some reporting before the talk show. And I stumbled upon the most wonderful story in Endwell that uh, people will enjoy. Mm. No sleeping for this boy, huh? <laughs> well, you know, my doctor says I need at least two hours of sleep every night. Uh -huh. That's what she says. I don't know. Yep. Well, but the problem the problem is seriously, Larry. The problem is I could get more sleep if she would stop snoring. <laughs> hey, tell Kathy she needs to get more sleep. Gets up two in the morning to do this show. Oh my oh, gosh! My goodness. You know what she ought to do is she ought to start voice tracking. Yeah. You know, recording the news ahead of time. That would be a good idea. Yeah, I recommend that Kathy just sleep for one week. Tell her, hubby, go away. Don't bother me for the next week, you know, and everything. Oh. Tell you, I, I'll see you next year, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. All right, thanks. Day, bye. Thank you, Larry. 923 WNBF, the station that does care. Clearly, they care. They put me and Kathy and James on the program or on the station every morning. What other station would do that? Giving you Kathy and James and Bob. On the same frequency, Kenneth. More calls coming up. If you want to join the Thursday broadcast, we encourage you to call 607-772-1290, WNBF. Now, a word. From people who sell cars, the people who sell cars on the Vestal Parkway, Miller Motors, the Miller Auto Team, they're there for you right now, 4455 Vestal Parkway East, directly across from Binghamton University. They'll be open tonight till 7. Today would be a fantastic day to buy a new vehicle. Stop by the Miller Auto Team and inquire about their new Hondas, their new Hyundais. Vehicles are coming in. They can take a look at the delivery schedule and find something that's on its way, something that could be perfect for you and your family, or perchance maybe a used vehicle. Would you like a previously owned car or SUV or truck? 
nice condition, good price, maybe something for her son or daughter heading off to university to educate themselves and make something of their lives. Yes, Miller Auto Team has it all. When it comes to vehicles, Miller Motors can accommodate you. Again, they're open today till 7. Miller Auto Team on the Parkway in Vestal. It's 925. This is 1290 AM, 92.1 FM, WNBF and WNBF.com. Almost... A Thursday morning, it's the radio party that you've been waiting for. It's called Bob Joseph at WNBF. Taking phone calls, 607-772-1290. Also reading emails, bob at WNBF.com. Hey, communicate with us. We want to hear from you. Yes, let's go. Now WNBF weather. from the United States Weather Bureau. The uh, forecast, apparently official, mostly sunny today with a chance of showers and thunderstorms this afternoon. High 81. Mainly clear tonight, low 55. Sunny tomorrow, high 78. And sunny Saturday, high 80. Your bonus extended forecast, mostly sunny Sunday, high 82. And right now, Excuse me while I get my thermometer here. (laughs) There's only one way to find out the temperature, and that would be with a thermometer. Am I right, people? So, uh, up to the minute when seconds count. Right now it's 66 at WNBF. I can't go into specific detail. All I'm going to say is next hour is going to be special. Next hour, if you have um, a DVR, you should set it because uh, next hour is the hour you've been waiting for. People are saying, well, well, gosh, should I get the kids out of school? Gosh, yeah. If your kids are in school, get them, get them out. Unless they're in reform school, then you're probably going to have to talk to the warden about that. Uh, let's see. Oh, people like local issues. Well, let's take a look at local issues as presented on WNBF.com. Oh, here's a story. Some guy claims that his guns were lost during a move. First he thought that he misplaced his guns, and now he suggests to the authorities that they might have been stolen. There's a story. Um, oh, potentially deadly algal bloom in Finger Lake. There's another story from WNBF.com. Here's another one. Get ready for early New York primary vote. These are all stories you can find now on WNBF.com, America's most important local news website. Also, counties to develop domestic terror teams. Here's one, Vestal Fire Station marks 100 years and you're invited to the party. Here's one about a lawyer. Um, oh, here's a story also 
Well, this is one that features local reporting, original local reporting. I like that. Former downtown CVS building is still vacant nine months after closing. And and this story also includes details about how much money they want for their building. So if you want details on why the uh, CVS building on Court Street in Binghamton remains vacant nine months after the drug store closed, check it out at WNBF.com. All right, 932-607-772-1290 is the hotline. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is John. I don't use any intermediaries. I'm sorry. Binghamton. Yeah, uh, from now on, Mr. John, before you call in, have your people contact my people. I want to get I want to get everything in writing before we conduct any further live discussions on this program i want your attorneys to contact my legal team just so we can get things settled before the broadcast anyway with, obviously with the I'm proper kidding. pronoun <laughs> yes uh, yes they and them and me so what's on your mind john well a couple things uh jamie cheney how do you say that cheney i think it's cheney Chenny? Yeah. I don't. I, I'm not sure, but that reminds me. Um, I do uh, need to invite her on the program. Surprisingly, with the uh, Democratic primary coming up in just days, her people. Speaking of people, her people have not reached out to me. I would have thought that they would have wanted, as they say in political circles, free media time. Um, I mean, Josh, her um, opponent in the primary. He actually reached out to me, and that's why he was on the program, I think, last week. But So Josh Riley was on, and I immediately thought that uh, her her people, or even she, the candidate, would reach out and say, hey, my opponent was on. Can I be on the, the radio program to talk? Anyway, what, uh, what were you going to say about her? Well, uh, she's trying to parlay her own uh, personal abortion story into political success sort of a modified limited hangout in my view uh the all she did get uh, uh more into more detail with the albany times union uh she says she uh but in any case when a politician puts his medical records forward and that becomes an issue particularly in this case to attract voters to her uh, i think it behooves her to lay out all her medical history because she uses the term that she had a, a rare infection. Uh, she also, I mean, in other words, uh, it's, it's, it's too sketchy for me uh, to uh, form an opinion one way or another. And it would seem to me uh, that you would have specifics. You know, I, I went, this is the uh, the obstetrician or the OBGYN or whoever performed, the, these were my options. No, it's just take my word for it. And right down to the illness uh, that she has, I guess she's she requires plasma uh, every, according to the Albany Times Union, every month. Uh, now we're into more generalized health issues. Uh, so I mean, why wouldn't she? Why would she go there and not put the entire her entire medical records out? <laughs> well, I don't think any candidate would put what? his, her, or their entire medical records out for anything. I, I've never heard of any public person 
Heck, I've never heard of any private person. I don't know anyone anywhere who's ever put out all their medical records. They might do a limited release about certain things. Certainly, say, presidents who test positive for COVID sometimes put out limited information about their medical condition. But I, in, in my exper- experience, I don't know. I don't think I've ever met anyone uh, in the political sphere or otherwise who's ever released all their medical records. I think, I think when people do disclose or talk about their medical records, it tends to be on a very limited, specific basis for whatever the reason. Obviously, in this case, given the uh, Supreme Court ruling, she's going to, uh, at least her advertising so far, has tried to uh, distinguish her stance to the stance of Republican Mark Molinaro, assuming, again, we don't know how the primary will turn out, but if she turns out, if she becomes the Democratic nominee against Republican Mark Molinaro, as she has, I think, said in her advertising, she looks forward to discussing the issue in a debate against Mark Molinaro. So I think she's laying the groundwork. As far as providing additional specific information about her medical history, I I guess... I guess well, my again my question is who in your in your experience John who has ever get released their entire medical record right uh, well the, the presidential medical records release used to be quite extensive mm, yeah but they're still selective I mean yeah. again you know and who could forget the wonderful letter that uh, Donald Trump's personal physician. I mean, even that we know, you know, come to find out the letter about Donald Trump's physical condition apparently was dictated by the candidate himself. So, and again, not that there's anything wrong with that, except I, I believe that his personal physician wound up misleading us because certainly that letter, that incredible and I mean, in this case, truly incredible letter uh, didn't ring true. It had all the all the earmarks of a Donald Trump special production. And so, again, candidate, whether you're a candidate or whether you're a private citizen, nobody, nobody would ever release their entire uh, medical record for any reason. Why would they? If what you release, you re- you release selectively for a specific purpose. And Jamie well, Cheney has released this part of her past health experience, obviously, as part of the campaign. Right. And she says that she needs plasma once a month. I mean, this is just like the fellow that had the heart attack for uh, the Senate in Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, I mean, are these people fit enough for the job? Or well, um, then you start know? looking at the president. Is he? Some people might ask about Joe Biden. Is he fit for the job? And the answer is, if Joe Biden is fit to be president, then Jamie Cheney would be fit to represent this district in Congress. In my opinion. Well, uh, am I right? I mean, let's put it this way. If something, heaven forbid, happens to whoever, whoever's representing Binghamton in Congress, if there's a health issue or some other reason where they need to take a leave or, or even resign suddenly in some sort of scandal, is, is Binghamton over even the, the short term going to be adversely affected for the most part? Yes, we want representation 
we always love representation uh, in the House of Representatives. But on the other hand, if if for some reason our representative in Congress had to leave early, I think life would go on. I don't think we would skip a beat. Well, you uh, you know, depending on the, the the job that you get, you know, you do uh, you know whether it's a licensed job or whatever employers. Uh, want to know your your medical history, and I think that this is a, certainly an employment uh, situation. The voters are asked to uh, make a human resource decision on one candidate or another. But again, be- getting back to my point, you know, even for candidates for president of the United States, dare I say, look back fifty years ago when uh, the uh, Eagleton situation happened. Don't you remember what happened there, where uh, aspects of his mental health were not fully disclosed before he was chosen to be initially a vice presidential candidate, and then he uh, was unceremoniously removed from the ticket because the information had not been made public. I don't know. It's the the problem I see when it comes to. Candidates releasing health information, it's always been inconsistent. Yes, in a perfect world, I think candidates for Congress and candidates for a president ought to release, um, you know, their their health records well, or consistently either, well, re, you know, but but again, same with Donald Trump, that that letter. Oh, there you go again. What? Oh, <laughs> thank you. But I paid for this microphone. Uh <laughs> Yeah, as if I would pay for this microphone. If I was paying for this microphone, it'd be a lot cheaper. Um, by the way, John, did you notice a few weeks ago we got a new microphone, so now I sound better than ever? Uh, yeah, you, you you do sound pretty good. Uh, you know, yeah, you, you uh, the, the FM band, you, you don't have any... I was going to uh, say, as they say, Steely Dan said it best, no static yeah. at all. Well, well just, just getting back to the... Uh, uh, panty raid that was conducted uh, at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, you know, this is, was very similar to uh, the raid on the LaRouche residence back in 87 in Leesburg uh, when uh, Oliver North convinced the uh, then Attorney General uh, Mary Sue Terry, uh, who was doing the bidding of Henry Kissinger and others, to go and rifle through uh LaRouche's uh, mansion, uh, looking for uh, stuff that that wasn't wasn't there. I was actually in a hotel in Leesburg when that went down, and CNN, I saw it on CNN, and then I heard the helicopters, and they were hoping uh, for a con. They came in with machine guns. They were hoping for a confrontation uh, with LaRouche's security, which at that time was composed of ex New York City police officers, but. Uh, uh, you, you know, this, this thing is, is absolutely absurd, and I'm very, very serious. Uh, and we're going to see this. You're either for us or against us, and it's going to go down the, the line of Republicans. I, I Again, other than Claudia Tenney, I, I'm, I am offering $1,000 campaign commercial to somebody that will sign the Trump pledge to support Trump and to uh, support his agenda if he's elected in 2025. No matter, uh, I mean, you know, maybe I, even if you're running for dog catcher, I, I would consider that. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a generous offer. Keep me posted on that. If you get uh, any nibbles, let let me know. Call in. Okay. 
Thank you, John from Binghamton. It's 944. Bob Joseph, proud of our high-quality microphone. Being used now at 92.1 FM and, of course, 1290 AM. It's WNBF, WNBF.com. I'll be taking more calls at 607-772-1290. Love to hear from you on this Thursday morning. This is WNBF. WNBF, Doctor, Doctor, please. That's what I said back in 2018 when that uh, fantastic, actually it wasn't 2018, it was 2015, Donald Trump's personal physician put out this letter that was too good to be true. And it turns out it was totally, as they say in the 21st century, it was totally fake news. Totally fake news. Doctor, Harold Bornstein, a gastroenterologist from Lenox Hospital in NYC, I believe Manhattan. <laughs> I've never been to Lenox Hospital and hope never to have to pay a visit unless it's to cover a breaking news story. The uh, beloved doctor, Harold Bornstein, it turns out, according to uh, this story posted at npr.org by Scott Newman, uh, December 2015, Donald Trump's personal physician released a letter describing his patient's health in language that sounded more like it was written by the patient himself. And it turns out that might be exactly what happened. The uh, letter, which was released to the public, said, If elected, Mr. Trump, I can state unequivocally, will be the healthiest individual ever elected to the presidency. Leonard said that a recent medical exam showed only positive results for the then-candidates and popular real estate developer from Queens. The letter also claimed, quote, his physical strength and stamina are extraordinary. No, this was not from Dr. Stormy Daniels. This was from Dr. Harold Bornstein. Dated December 4th, 2015. To whom my concern, not to whom it may concern, <laughs> said to whom my concern. So obviously it was written by a great fan of the English language. And uh, Dr. Bornstein said he has had been the personal physician of Mr. Donald J. Trump since 1980. Uh, his previous physician was my father, Dr. Jacob Bornstein. Over the past 39 years, I am pleased to report that Mr. Trump has had no significant medical problems. Mr. Trump has had a recent complete medical examination that showed only positive results. Actually, his blood pressure and laboratory test results were astonishingly excellent. <laughs> As they say, only the best results. <laughs> Uh, it claimed, 
Over the past 12 months, he has lost at least 15 pounds. Mr. Trump takes 81 milligrams of aspirin daily and a low dose of a statin. His PSA test score is very low. His physical strength and stamina are extraordinary. Uh, Mr. Trump has suffered no form of cancer, has never had a hip, knee, or shoulder replacement or any other orthopedic surgery. His only surgery was an appendectomy at age 10, probably around the time he was going to summer camp near Binghamton. Remember when he told us here on live radio about his fabulous memories about going to summer camp as a youth near Binghamton? Hey, that part is true. Continuing with the letter released by Dr. Harold Bornstein in 2015, the letter continues, his cardiovascular status is excellent. He has no history of ever using alcohol or tobacco products. And if elected, Mr. Trump, I can state unequivocally, will be the healthiest individual ever elected to the presidency. Now, can you imagine... If a doctor from Scranton put out a letter like that regarding Joe Biden, it's 9.53. This is News Radio WNBF. This is your facilitator, Bob Joseph. We'll take calls as they come in at 607-772-1290 and email bob at wnbf.com. Again, for sensitive listeners, I must caution you, the hour you've been waiting for, the 10 o'clock hour, is coming right up. So if you like great local radio, stay tuned, because it'll be an hour to remember. Only on WNBF. I was 50. News Radio 1290, WNBF. I've been having dreams. Jumping on a trampoline. Flipping in the air. I never learned just blow the bay As I'm looking up Suddenly the sky erupts Flames and light the trees Spread to fallen leaves I've been having dreams I've been Wait, if I'm on fire How am I so deep in trouble? When I dream of dying, I never feel like I'm in trouble. What the heck? Sounds like trouble (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Hello, America and all the ships at sea. I'm Walter Winchell. Yes, and you're you're not. That's right. Anyway, uh, surprise, kids! Look, look who showed up on a Thursday, no less. Yes. Why? Because one of my former bosses was going to be in my slot. So. Yeah, what's up with that? I so, don't know. You know, mayors, county executives. You know, when I leave here, and it may be sooner than later, <laughs> yeah. they're going to call me talk show emeritus. Ooh. Talk show or host emeritus. Yes, in that, fact, <laughs> I'm putting in the call soon. <laughs> With a little help from yes. the host here for the first name. Exactly. And she's going to yell at me for not remembering her first name since I've only known her for 30 years. Well, I know so. who you're talking about. Yes, you oh, do. Oh, you don't have to mention. No, we won't. So uh, I will become WNBF talk show host emeritus. And that way, that means when I want to host a show, which could be still, it could be daily. Yes. It could be weekly. Yes. It could be monthly. It could be annually. Yes. But then they could say, now. 
talk show host emeritus Bob Joseph. Yes. With his guest county historian <laughs> emeritus Jerry Smith. Yes. yes. The Emeritus Hour. Yes. Only on WNBF. So where old people go to talk. <laughs> Talk about young ideas. Yes, there. right. Because we don't ever age. So I don't want to dwell too much on Lyndon LaRouche, but since it did come up earlier in the hour, here's the fascinating thing. Now, Lyndon LaRouche lived to the ripe old age of 96, yes. according to Wikipedia. Yes. But here's the weird thing. He what, died 20 years before, but didn't know it? Now, the really oh, weird oh, thing okay. was, of course, he was he was born in Rochester. Yes. New Hampshire. Oh, it's food, yeah. Oh. And, but interestingly, he died, it says, on February 12, 2019, just over three and a half years ago. Right. And according to Wikipedia, listen to this. This is the most mysterious thing, and I had no idea. His death was announced on the website of one of his organizations. Neither the place nor cause of his death was specified. So here we are, three and a half years later. We don't know when or where, where. he died or how. We know when, but we He's, don't know He where. was with Howard Hughes. It's 10 o'clock, WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 69 degrees at 10.04. Forecast for today. Mostly sunny, just a 30% chance of late afternoon showers and thunderstorms. And a high in the low 80s. Vestal police are confirming that two people were killed in the head-on crash on Route 434 Monday night that closed the Vestal Parkway for over eight hours. Authorities now say 21-year-old Stephen Moran of Binghamton, who was driving the wrong way shortly before 11 p.m. when his Chevrolet Equinox collided with a westbound Nissan sedan, killing 57-year-old Alfred Latissa and 60-year-old Paula Latissa of Johnson City. Moran was taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. The authorities on Tuesday morning confirmed at least one person was killed as an eastbound vehicle was traveling in the westbound lanes shortly after 10.30 p.m. between Plaza Drive and Vestal Road and collided with an oncoming vehicle. While unofficial sources indicated two people had died, Vestal Police did not confirm that information until yesterday afternoon. Police say Alfred Latissa was pronounced dead at the scene while Paula Latissa was pronounced dead a short time later at Wilson Hospital. The investigation is continuing. No charges have been filed at this time. Morant's condition and extent of injury have not been made available. It's almost primary day in New York. Again, early voting in an unprecedented second primary election in the state begins on Saturday, August 13th, 10 days before the Congressional and State Senate in-person party votes at the ballots. Due to the redistricting and accusations of gerrymandered line drawing, the vote for the new congressional districts was pushed back to August 23rd. The general election, of course, is still November 8th. Today is the last day to change your party affiliation if you're not happy. In the 19th district that includes Broome, Democrat Ulster County Executive Pat Ryan and Republican Dutchess County Executive Mark Molinaro are looking to fill out the remainder of now Lieutenant Governor Antonio Delgado's term, while Democrats Josh Riley and Jamie Cheney are looking to win the nod to run for the full term in the 19th District against Molinaro. Bear in mind the special election is filling the final four months of Delgado's congressional term in the old district boundaries. The primary is for the newly drawn 
19th District. Information on voting by mail, absentee ballots, polling places and times, and candidates can be found in Broome County at the Board of Elections website that is broomvotes.com. WMBF News Time 1007. A trip to the Finger Lakes this weekend could be spoiled by an aquatic plant. The Tompkins County Health Department is reporting a harmful algal bloom, that's cannabacteria bloom, in the Tompkins County portion of Cayuga Lake. The Health Department cautions harmful algal bloom, or HABs, can cause illness in some circumstances. In some cases, pets have been known to die after drinking in a bloom area. Health officials advise do not drink the water and avoid contact with the water if it appears discolored or has an unpleasant odor. Do not allow pets to swim in water where suspicious cannabacteria blooms are present. So far, the blooms are small in size and confined to a specific area of the shoreline and bays. Areas where the blooms are not observed can be continued to be enjoyed for recreational use. If contact occurs with suspicious HABs, you should rinse thoroughly with clean water to remove a can of bacteria. Rinse dogs that may have gone in the water so they do not lick their coats. You can get more information on the risk of HABs at the DEC website. Stop using water and seek medical attention immediately if symptoms such as vomiting, nausea, skin and eye or throat irritation happen. Allergic reactions or breathing difficulties occur after drinking or having contact with blooms or untreated surface water. WMBF News Time 1008. Broome County Sheriff's officials are looking for a Binghamton man in connection with an outstanding warrant for felony sex abuse. Michael Branch is described as black, standing six feet tall, weighing 320 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. He's known to frequent the East Frederick Street area of the city of Binghamton. Anyone with information should call the sheriff tip line at 607-778-1196. Tips can also be submitted electronically on the sheriff's website, which is at gobroomcounty.com slash sheriff slash warrants. WMBF News Time, 1009. Uh-oh. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast for today, mostly sunny. A 30% chance of late afternoon showers and thunderstorms, a high in the low 80s. Tonight, a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Partly cloudy, a low in the mid-50s. Tomorrow, sunny, high in the upper upper 70s. For Saturday, sunny, a high near 80. Sunday, mostly sunny, high in the low 80s. And Monday, partly sunny, a 50% chance of showers and a high in the mid-70s. Currently, 69 in Binghamton. It's 10-11, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, WMBF. Now, from Binghamton, New York, it's time for... Binghamton, then. Oh, Bob and Jerry. Oh, Bob and Jerry. <laughs> Tom and Jerry, Bob and yeah. Jerry. Yes. Bob and Jerry. I'm Live. the one in the piano. Yeah, we call it Binghamton, then. What it uh, signifies, essentially, is history. Of course, the reason we use this theme song is it's really old. Like us. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Fine. You're as young as you feel, I've Jerry. I've got my Medicare card in my wallet. Hosted by... Two of America's most beloved. Emeritus. <laughs> Johnny Emeritus. Johnny Emeritus, yes. All right. What's the phone number, dear? Area code 
or they can email at bob at wnbf.com. And that means uh, anybody is allowed to participate. Yes, and the more, the merrier. Oh, yeah. We're going to take lots and lots of calls. Yes, we are. Because I checked with the phone company. We have permission to take a lot of calls during the 10 o'clock hour. They Good. Said, they said they've beefed up the lines, whatever that means. Bring them on. <laughs> All right, enough of that historic song. Boy, that brought back memories. When they were at the, um, what do they call it, the arena? Yes, we do. Yeah, they call it the arena. We call it the arena. Yeah. Remember when they opened that? 1973, I believe. Yes. Thank you, Jim Matthews, who wanted hockey in the arena. Yes, Yes. thank you. You know, that's part of the the true legacy of Jim Matthews and a lot of other people who worked to make it happen. Yes, Brent Dusters. The Dusters and then the Whalers. In fact, my last night's class, somebody brought up them being appearing in the movie Slapshot. Oh, remember the part of Slapshot that was filmed on the Action News set? Yes. Yes, filmed. Filmed. On the Action That's News That's right, set. with actual film. At 50 Front Street. Wasn't yes. Kerry Donovan in that? That's, oh, yes. So was Bertie Fiati in that? No, I no, don't think so. Might but, have been Kerry Donovan. But my recollection... Is and Carrie Donovan still follows me on Twitter for some reason. I wish she would stop. No, I'm kidding. He's probably listening and saying, okay, Bob, if that's the way you feel. Fine. But um, let me just, do you mind if I Google something on the air? Well, I'll just vamp for a few moments yeah. while you vamp. Why don't you tell us? Oh, oh, oh I can, oh, I can yeah, do my got, shameless yeah. self-promotion yeah. while you're you, vamping. You have special events. Yes, I do. More walking, more talking all the time. So on Saturday, September 10th, from 2 to 4, we're doing our West Side tour again for SUNY Broom Continuing Ed at a cost of $39 a person. And then a week later, on the 10th, we're doing the downtown walking tour again for $39 from 2 to 4. And for those who like to walk in cemeteries, and don't we all, uh, on Sunday, October 23rd from 2 to 4, I'll be giving a tour of Spring Forest Cemetery all on behalf of SUNY Broom Continuing Ed. You can go online to their webpage and register that way or by giving them a phone call. And we'd like to see you because we sold out the ones in the summer, so we're doing it again right over again in September. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Do you mind if I you attend? Can, you can come along. All right. I might. Yeah. I know I've thre- I get paid either way. I know I've threatened to join you in the past for yes, some you of have. defense, but I, I've never actually followed. If they do the cemetery one, I'm usually in Victorian garb. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Because I play The Undertaker. Oh, I thought it was like, oh, oh, well, something like that. Spilling Victoria's Secret. No, I don't look in, in, in pink Please. panties and oh, some gosh. Thank goodness it's radio, folks. That's there, right. You can't you see any of this. Yeah, but it's actually worse because yeah. it's the theater of the mind. So everybody has their own oh, image, okay. and that may not be good. That well, you know what I'm considering saying? my body, it would not be good. Well, who are we to judge? Anyway, said Janine Pirro. <laughs> oh, you know, um, we never, never miss an opportunity. What? How fast was it? How many miles per hour? Mighty fast. Mighty fast. Was Mighty it, fast. Was it 120? Something like that. Yeah. It was nearly 120 miles an hour. So she is on record. I think you could look up in the 2024 editions of the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> yes. and Almost and under, Mark 1. Under you know? Fastest. 
Yeah. Fastest driving former judge and district attorney. Yes. That's a, that's a very, if you notice, the, that's a very narrow category. Yeah. The Guinness Book has been doing that a lot more so people like us can actually get in there. Yeah. And that yeah. way they sell more copies. You don't have to eat like 8,000 hot dogs in 12 minutes or something. Yeah. Anyway, I can't, I can't verify. Whether Kerry Donovan was in, oh, okay, uh, but I I think he was for like because mm-hmm. um, I think there was some some little he's snippet. living in New New England somewhere. No, he's living in New York, New York. Okay, I, the last I knew, although he may just have retired, the last I knew, he actually had been working as uh, a communications person for uh, a state assembly member. Let me ah, okay. let me check. All right. You know, why do our research ahead of time? That's right. Well, we can do it while we're on the air and people are listening to you type. Yes. Yes. It's far superior to have. Yes. This is, by the way. This is live radio, folks. This is how the sausage. And nobody's calling in. That's okay. Go ahead and call in. Interrupt his typing. No. Please. No, don't. I have a lot to say. Don't. Whatever you do, don't call (laughs) 607-772-1290 because you're going to interrupt my trains of thought. Yeah. So anyway, looking up on uh, Kerry Donovan's Twitter feed, his personal Twitter feed, it says, oddly enough, Kerry Donovan, Director of Communications for a Westchester County, New York State Assemblyman. Hmm. Opinions are my own. I bet his boss told him to put that part. Yes. <laughs> Opinions expressed in the show may be not may not be those of the station. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so at some point I'll uh, I'll get in touch because we every once in a while we we do communicate uh, sometimes by email or whatever. So at some point I'll I'll verify. But I I think I think he had sort of a, a bit role. In yeah. the Slapshot movie. And, you know, who else loves the Slapshot movie? Of course, Roger Neal. Yes. The Roger Neal. So, let's see. The uh, film was shot in 1976. Okay. According to uh, Rob Centurani. Oh, from yeah. From the Binghamton Press and Sun Bulletin. Yes. I remember Rob. Yeah. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so he did a story, an update sort of uh, look back a fond recollection of Slapshot for the newspaper back in 2020. So, anyway, very interesting. He talked with, uh, actually, Frank Hamill from Binghamton, who held up a jersey from the movie Slapshot. Says Hamill played for the Broom Dusters from 1973 through 1975, had a small role in the movie. So there you go. I think think one reason Roger Neal likes it is they... um, they filmed it, much of it down in Pennsylvania, oh, Johnstown. That's, that's right. Yes, yes. So Roger. Of course. All right. Let's take some calls. WNBF. Hello. I'm your operator. What's your first name, and where are you calling from? Uh, hi. Good morning. My name is Stephen. I'm calling from Bampton. Okay. You are on the air. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Do you Thanks have a, a, a question? My, my, yeah. My train of thought derailed years ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to say good morning to you, Bob. And to the famous khaki professor, Mr. Smith. This is Stephen, your favorite student of all time. Oh, yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> I like the picture of your house. Isn't that nice? With the rainbow attacking it? Yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, it, this is your famous khaki professor, yes. Awesome. Hey, uh, I, I think I asked you about once once before. My grandfather was a Swedish immigrant, who uh, a widower. And he used to shop a lot at the Mohican Market to get his fresh herring. Okay. But on his way home, he would stop at a 
sort of shady place called El Chico. Uh, yeah, I've heard of it. And uh, more often than not, he got a courtesy ride home from uh, the Black Mariah. So if you could tell me what the, what the Black Mariah was or is. Um, I thought that was a police wagon. <laughs> because, wait, where did, where did your, Steve, where did your grandfather live? He was in West uh, uh, Westover. Okay. He would walk all the way to the Mohican Market and stop and get a few cold ones with a couple of fishes in his sack right. on the way back. Because <laughs> there's there was on Harriel Drive there was an El Chico was it Chico or El yeah El Chico was a bar on Harriel Drive in Johnson City. Yeah. Well, and Dave Rossi wrote about El Chico uh, in a column in 1997. He yeah. refers to the notorious night spot, El Chico, owned by Jim Connolly and his wife, Judy, who was Gasp, an exotic dancer. That's a quote from David Rossi's Ooh. thing, Gasp. That's got to be the place. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like my kind of place. Nothing like a, a, a Swede with herring in a strip joint. Well, and a couple cold ones under his belt. You know. Yeah. It must have been a salty uh, event you know, over Ooh. and over again. Oh. Right See, this ride. is why you can't take my course anymore, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, here's more, more information from your information station and my big stack, my big virtual stack of newspapers. The press uh, reported in 1985 about um, a bartender who had just died. His name was uh, Winton Cornell, and it noted that he had been a mixologist, a bartender at various places in Binghamton, including the Arlington Hotel, yep. Club Omar yes. on Collier Street, yep. the community lounge at the Security Mutual Building. Yep. That's what we need. Bring bring, bring back, back the community that. lounge. <coughs> yeah, that I, was... I would love to hang out there. Yep. Uh, Hodges Restaurant on Shenango Street. Uh, the Park Lane on State Street, and El Chico on Water Street. Oh, Water Street, not Harriet. Okay. Wow. Well, Water Street would be good because, yeah, he's he's walking back from Shenango Street to water. He gets watered. (laughs) Some water drinks. But it says says, uh, Windy Cornell. That was his nickname, Windy. He was 76 when he died. And uh, one of the other places that he was a bartender was at uh, Cortez over on the east side. Yeah. Okay. The El Chico must have been sort of where the lost dog is now, I suppose. Um, Either that or the other end of Water Street down toward Memorial Bridge, because there were a number of drinking establishments down that way, too. Be south of Court Street. Um, I'd have to look at the street number to figure out which, where it was. Now I'm looking at all these old night spots. Another story from 1976, a historical type uh, piece in the press mentioned the old El Chico downtown, uh, the keg when it was on Henry Street. Do you remember that? The keg? Uh, I remember the name. Yeah, well, the only keg I remembered was in Endicott Plaza. Okay. The old Sans Souci in Binghamton. Don't know that one. At the old Arlington and Carlton hotels. 
in Shenango Street. That's what they always used to say. In Shenango Street. That's what they it's used to say. in the middle of the street. street. Yeah. 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 You know, up Not until, on, but in. Up until the mid-70s, yeah. that was always the, the local newspaper style for some reason, in Shenango Street instead of on. And then at the old community lounge at Court and Exchange, for some reason, I guess Jerry Handy didn't want to mention the security, security mutual building. building. <laughs> It's probably some editors like, oh, we better not mention that because well, what, what if what if uh, the people that was quite a place from everybody I've met who's gone there in terms of performers and everything else who came there to yeah to, I wish they would bring it back yeah. maybe it, I I have I know some people over at Security Mutual the guy in charge of the Security Mutual lights you know that yeah. guy and the guy in charge yeah he's in charge of both. The lights on top of the building, and also the the spy cams that they use for Channel Thirty Four and Channel oh, yeah. Twelve. So yeah. I'm going to check with him to see if uh, he could put a word in. They could reopen yeah. the community uh, on the first floor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, every day at noon, after I'm done with the show, I can because I get thirsty because I talk yeah. too much. We would have been over there if it was there when the when I was sure. working at the library. Stephen, yeah. thank you for your thanks, call. Steve. Hey, uh, can I ask one last question? Sure. Uh, Jerry, are you, are you still teaching at SUNY Broome? Uh, doing continuing ed. In fact, last night I just finished my History of Broome County course over the last five weeks. So, yeah, I'm doing uh, walking tours. I'm doing a cemetery tour. And if they'll have me, I'll probably teach the Broome County course again in the spring. But it's all for continuing ed as opposed to uh, credit-bearing courses. I'd really like to plug that course for you. It's a, it's a fantastic. Well, I do that because uh, they're going to come back uh, to me probably in about two months and ask me about the spring semester, and I'm back in the classroom. And uh, yeah, great and, course, you're a great professor. Uh, thanks. And funny, and uh, <laughs> people really need to brush up on their Monty Python if they do want to take your. Yes, course. they do. <laughs> yes, and and I'll send you the twenty dollar bill I owe you for saying ah. that. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. It's 1026 WNBF. Let's take another call. Hi, WNBF. I'm your call screener. I'm Bob. Hi. What's your name and where are you calling from? From Binghamton. Yeah. What's your name, Tommy? No, it's Matt Ryan. Oh, Matt Ryan. Oh, oh that, Matt. Oh, that guy. Oh, how, how <laughs> another did the, one of my former bosses. I was going to yes. say, how, how did that guy get through? I oh, don't know. You Matthew. don't screen very well. Yeah, so. I, I only call in the days that there's no real screen. <laughs> exactly. Matthew T. Ryan, the T stands for terrific. Right. Although Wikipedia says Tiberius. And there I, you as go. A, as, as a student of history, Jerry, I... I was always trying to change uh, that because it's really Thomas. And these, these nefarious people always kept going back and putting in Tiberius. Then I looked up the history of Tiberius, and he was actually a pretty progressive guy. Back yes, he time. was. Yeah. So, yeah. So now I've, so now I've uh, embraced the middle. Okay. <laughs> there you go. But anyway, so anyway, uh, talking about fine establishments from the past, I don't know what age I was, and back then the drinking age, I'm sure it was 18 instead of 21. Yep. I I remember fondly going to Gentleman Joe's for a while before it um, left our left our uh, city, and I just wanted to know. I, and I remember some great music there, especially I think uh, the uh, second edition. The, was it the second edition? First edition. First edition. For whoever it was, I know there's a okay. famous one, but um, you know, there, who was the great singer that sang with them with the first the first edition? Uh, Kenny um, Rogers. Well, no, Kenny Rogers. No, was... no, I'm talking. 
I'm talking about the local one. Yeah. Oh, okay. That might have been the second edition then. It's uh, Beyonce. Yeah. It was not Beyonce, edition. no. No. <laughs> What's his name? I, I can't believe I can't remember his name right now. But anyway, he used to play a lot of dancers and played at the Arlington, played there. But if, I just wondered if you could go back in your time machine, Bob. There's a lot of famous musicians early on that came through Gentleman Joe's. I remember seeing an article about... I think B.B. King actually played there once. Really? So I just wanted to know if you knew well, anything more about I know. Um, did Billy Fuster play over there? Probably. Yeah, Billy, yeah, Billy played, but I'm talking about Nat. Billy was, you know, kind of a, a more of a local okay. phenomenon. There was, I just wondered if there's any, any way you can look up and see. I, I think there was some pretty heavy-duty players that played there be, uh, that were pretty well country or world known. Really? Jazz okay. And, and blues, jazz and blues. Okay. And I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure BB King was one of them. So anyway, that's what I wanted to know if anybody yeah. knew more. That's a deal of more research. If any or any of your listeners remember some of the acts that played there, maybe they would could be. Well, according this is who you were referring to, Butch Skeen in the second. Oh, edition. Butch yeah, Skeen. Yeah, yeah, Butch, yeah. yeah, Butch Skeen. Yeah, I just, I can't believe I forgot his name. I saw Butch King a million times. But, um, yeah, they played there. But I, I, I it was before my time. It was back, uh, I had, I remember seeing some article, and they mentioned a couple groups, and I'm pretty sure one of them was um, was B.B. Uh, King that played yeah. there. But yeah, there actually, was, you're absolutely right. According to the newspaper, and remember, the newspapers don't lie. No. According to the Press and Sun Bulletin in 2006, uh, in response to, uh, well, it's actually part of an interview, and uh, the person being interviewed said, Gentleman Joe's was a nice place. When we had all the stars coming through here, different acts like B.B. King, they would drop by because they wanted to go where it was happening. Joe had pretty good food, soul food, collard greens, ham hocks and mm. pig feet, black-eyed peas and cornbread and so on. So, yes. Yes, to uh, to answer your question, B.B. King apparently was there one of go. those who performed at Gentleman Joe's on Susquehanna Street at Fayette. Yeah. Oh, great. Great. I just if anybody else knows of any other things, that sure. be, I think I would be interested. Yeah. Okay. Thank right. you. Thank Matt you, Matt. from Binghamton, one of America's best mayors. Okay. You, you're supposed to say, I thought you were gonna say, I thought you were going to say Mayor Emeritus. Well, that too. Okay. So that's Binghamton Mayor Emeritus, Matt Ryan, Broome County Historian, Emeritus Gerald Smith, and Bob Joseph, talk show host Emeritus. That's right. Do we get paid for this? No. I don't care. I don't want to get paid. I mean, it's it's too much fun. (laughs) Okay. It's too much fun, except when they make it unfun. Yeah. But, you know, I, I still... You know what Gloria Gaynor said? I will survive. That's right. <laughs> Start my own station. W B O B. Bob. <laughs> Wa Bob. Oh Bob. Wa Bob. Really. Bob Radio. That's right. Really. All the time. I will give away a thousand bobbleheads a day. Ooh. Coming up, more of your calls at six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. The one and only Gerald Smith is live for you here on News Radio WNBF. For fifth. A 
It's Dub NBF and DubNBF.com with Bob Joseph and Jerry Smith. On your Thursday morning, let's just sit back and relax a little bit. Uh, don't worry, everything is going to be fine. Even if it's not quite as thrilling a Thursday as you hoped it would be. It'll be thrilling enough, kids. So there, uh, it was recorded live over at Gentleman Joe's. Uh, yeah, over at uh, just a few years just ago. A few years ago, yeah. boy, the fidelity was incredible, wasn't it? Solid. Wow. Like it was right in a studio. Wow. Yeah, Dolby. They must have had your new microphones back then. Yes, they must have somehow. They were testing the microphone. That's right. His final performance ever in Binghamton. That's right. You know, good thing the FCC isn't monitoring with their truthiness post uh, report card. Wouldn't that be funny? Yeah. You know, the commissioner of the Federal Communications well, Commission is driving through, and he's looking. Where is that place? I'm gonna I'm gonna stop right in and what bunker sh- is that? Shut that guy down. That's right. So I I can't believe he's got a digital recording of BB King at Gentleman <laughs> Joe's in Binghamton <laughs> in like nineteen. Sixty really? something or seventy something. Obviously, kids, we were just having a little fun. fun. A little fun. Very taking, little. Taking historical fact and stretching it just a tad. And that's the beauty of this program. Yes, it is. Speaking of beauty, it's time to test the high-quality WNBF phone lines. Yes. 607-772-1290. And as we often say, you're on the air. Jesse from Owego. Good morning. Boy, sounds like Verizon's on a roll today. No static at all. No, there, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they they bought a um, what do they call it? A new um, transmitter? No, not what. Jesse, what do they use for the phone company to make the phone sound right? You know, like they used to have in the old days when phones always sounded right. Oh, black phones. Remember when they had black phones and the the audio quality was always a hundred percent. Remember those days, yes. Jesse. You know what? Back in the day, what I used to do is the old dial phones, is I would pull the clutch out. That way I could dial faster to try to win some money. Yeah, one time, uh, no, I'm not going to tell you. I, I'm not going to tell you about radio contests because, no. 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 And someday, someday maybe I'll talk about it off the air. Yeah, there we go. Anyway, Jesse, that's not why you called. What's no. on your mind? Well, it, uh, what is the history behind a full moon and its effects on everybody. And the reason why I'm asking this question is because even since first news and up to this point, everybody I swear on WMBF is in very rare form. Oh. Maybe because the temperature finally got dropped down below 90. Except uh, in the studio. Except in the studio. The temperature is still 99.1. It's a little warm in here. Yeah, just to celebrate our, our favorite classic rock station. I, t- I was told, though, that they're going to get the temperature fixed by um, by Christmas at the latest. There so you they, go. They say that the temperature oh. should come down in the studio below 75. What's probably going to happen in what I think usually happens in winter, then they go to the other extreme. The studio temperature is around 22. But Of course, you, know. you could always open the window. Oh, wait, you don't have no, a don't window. have a window. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know me. But, Got a door. But, but, but Jesse, do, do you think that gets me down? Oh, no. No. Well, 
called. And it, it actually is a fact that the full moon does have you an effect. You just got yourself a brand new microphone, so you should be like in heaven right now. That's yeah, right. the concern I have, though, because of the studio temperature, the microphone, which is a high-quality piece of technical equipment, may not be able to withstand the the temperature. It's only... It's only rated to uh, to temperatures up to a hundred. So if the temperature goes up two more, no, if the temperature goes up one more degree, the uh, new microphone might melt down. Yeah. Well, then you can always think about that, gentleman Joe's afterwards, and just go out and have a cold one and reminisce. But I, I'm thinking of ordering some dry ice. I could uh, there you go dip, dip the microphone in dry <laughs> ice to see if that works. I think that would work. Yeah, I swear it's got to be a full moon today, both of you. You guys have been hilarious. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, you, you should have heard the uh, the show we did off the air during the <laughs> the ten o'clock. Oh, actually, that reminds me. I, I have to post that video we did. Oh yes, that would be a good idea. <laughs> Hold on a second, because the went, show will be over with. Soon. Yeah, yeah. We we went and recorded a, a beautiful Jesse, a beautiful full color video available for all WNBF listeners at WNBF Plus. For only nine ninety nine a month, and um, if you subscribe to WNBF Plus, I'm just posting the video now. It's a good thing I, I was supposed to. Thank post you, Jesse, for calling in because yeah. you reminded the host to do his job. Yeah. That's, well. it's, uh... <laughs> That's what I do. All yeah. right. Well, yep. th- thanks for checking in. Yeah. Uh, whatever you do, keep things under control. And us, we go. Oh, that's oh, we go, Bob. Oh, we go. Oh, Otisco. No, Otigo. <laughs> Owasco. Take care. Take Thank care, you, Jesse. Sir. Thank you. It's 1040 WNBF. You know, I wouldn't say the heat has addled my brain because... I will. It was... No, it was pre-addled. Oh, oh mean, that's even, true. That's true. Even at normal temperatures, <clears throat> it's... We're just happy to be in the studio. Yeah. This beats calling in oh. and doing their show. Oh, it was horrible. Which was not easy, folks. I mean, Bob made it work, but yeah, it's it better was... when I'm in person, well, live. And the program just sounds so... <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? Delightful. Uh, Lively. Yes. All right. We'll uh, continue the broadcast in just a moment. Okay. What is the number, Jer? Area code 607-772-1290. And what's our goal for this hour? Um, uh, we're going to reach $100,000. 1200, no, $1,290. That's right. $1,290. What, oh, what Jerry and I want yeah. is to raise $1,290 by 11 o'clock. Okay. So, so if, call in with your donations. So if you like programs like this. That's right. <laughs> Make your checks payable to Gerald R. Smith. <laughs> and and for my part, no checks, please. Just, just, just cash. cash. Unmarked so, bills. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll be back after these, these important massages. Yeah. WNBF, WNBF.com. The only radio station you'll ever need. This is WNBF 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, and streaming live at WNBF.com. Yeah, very good, Bob. So I did a story the other day, and I thought it was one of my better efforts. Okay. If she says so, you did say so yourself. I, of course, am noted for my humility. Um, Wait a second. Strike that. We'll edit that out from the West Coast That's right. feed. I think that... you meant to say humidity. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So anyway, we, we had a story 
that uh, I think was posted last Friday over at uh, WNBF.com. And the headline was this. It said, The Last Standing EJ Building in Ennis. Yes, I saw that. You renovated. I read your article. Well, thank you. Yes. What about the photography? Wasn't that great? Yes. It's, you know, nothing like an angled shot of a gray building. With a crane. With a crane. That's right. Crane. With a crane. There was yep. a crane in there. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, there were several shots, and I, you know, as as an award-winning photojournalist, as as a radio reporter who has a cell phone and takes pictures, there you go. There, that's I that's guess that m- be, m- more accurate. But I yes. also had one of those action photos where the crane was bringing stuff yes. up to the top of the building. You're right. You don't see that kind of action no. news. And let's see if they take off the coverings of the windows and things like that. Reopen it up. I don't know. I'm not sure what exactly, either. but how it's going to appear. But uh, so, I do believe that's accurate, though. That's as far as I know. That's the I, last. I, yeah, I can't think of the Endicott Johnson era in Endicott in the village of Endicott. Right. I mean, because they tore down the one on Page Avenue, which is outside the village, which is technically right, yeah, right. West Endicott, yep. town of Union. It's very close to the village, but line. that's gone too. Yeah, they put up. Um, the natural pipes. Yes, national pipe. And, yeah. Is it national pipe or natural pipes? National. Okay. I thought they were like going after the environmentalists. No. Uh, natural oh, pipes. No, that was. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, because I mean, all the tannery operations, all the factories, the diner, the personnel office, they're all gone. Uh, ba, 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 ba. No. You know, it's, one of the. Last, uh, I mean, it, unless you want to, well, no, no, you can't even count the recreation center that UE uses for their offices because that wasn't an EJ, that wasn't a, a, a working building. No, well, it's administrative offices. For a time, it served as the right. corporate headquarters. Right. So, what, what I thought was interested, interesting about this building that's now owned by Phoenix investors, right. conveniently located in Milwaukee. Wouldn't it be funny if it was Milwaukee investors based in Phoenix? Phoenix? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Anyway, uh, the the people who bought the Huron campus uh, nearly a year ago, so people who've driven by the place have noticed they actually are investing a lot of money, millions of dollars, in upgrading yeah. interiors and exteriors. They've done some remarkable painting, some of the buildings on North Street and some of the other Buildings on the campus, including that place where they're going to be making newfangled batteries. Right. Yeah. Oh, manufacturing in Binghamton, uh, Broome County. Excuse me. Yeah, not Binghamton, but Broome shocking. County. A shocking. Ah. Yeah. Very, if you hold those batteries to your tongue, shocking. shocking. Yeah. yeah. I'll be there, like on the on the grand opening tour, and um, talking with Shayla Shupretti from the the battery factory. Yes. I say, hey, can I? borrow one of those batteries and he'd say sure bob figuring i'm just gonna take a picture and then i put the terminals up to my tongue like yeah. we used to do did you ever do that with a nine volt battery uh no whatever you do don't kids <laughs> do not even though it's only nine oh, volts I- that's enough to really <sighs> yes one time i did that and my mom said bob i told you specifically not to do it which is why you did it yeah and yeah. so my bo- my brother and i we had a contest and zapped yourselves <laughs> well, well yeah. takes mm. a licking and keeps on ticking yeah oh that was that was watch the timex watches yes so anyway uh this building the ibm see ibm bought the building right in 1970, 71, about 50 okay. years ago. They also bought some other buildings nearby, and IBM 
being the benevolent corporate mm. entity that it was at one time, tore down all the other EJ buildings, bought them, and then put up parking lots. Right. And then, actually, I think they constructed a couple more buildings. This was back 50 years ago right. when IBM was really was still growing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they were, at one time, IBM... I'd say about 50 years ago, was building two or three structures when they were still in growth mode. But they did retain this one building at the corner of Oak Hill Avenue and Clark Street. Okay. And then they put up, to cover the EJ brick, they put up whatever, concrete. Right. You know, to, to make it blend kind in blend with every with other. The right. right. So, but anyway, I'm told, first of all, they're... Um, going to do some facade repair work. Sure. Because because some of that stuff that IBM put on is remember, it's not yeah, it's not the original building. The no. original building is still solid. If they had just left it alone, left the exposed brick, it probably would be fine. But since IBM they put, probably put up like a stucco facade type thing and after 50 years, guess what? It's probably starts to deteriorate. It's the same stuff that the kids are using over on Shenango Street for that sinking bridge. Yes. Yeah, that stuff. So we that lasts for about two weeks. <laughs> Stop. Oh. Stop. The oh. DOT listens. Don't. Yeah, but Dave Hamburg retired. <laughs> yeah, but his successor listens. Yes, he does. And then his boss listens. Yes. And then his boss, yes. who's the transportation. And they're trying. Well, it's, they are. It's a difficult situation. Right. Don't make light of it. No. That is not to be made light of. No. By the way, it was exactly 11 months ago today that they shut it down. Mm. It was on 9-11, last September 11th. They shut it down, shut down Shenango Street to fix the sinking bridge, the I-81 bridge, conveniently located at mile marker 13. Yeah. Go figure. I didn't say it was jinxed. That's right. I don't believe in superstitions, but I will say this. They are making remarkable progress. That's good. I've been told that they're yeah, they're making progress. It's, it's finding the right solution. The right style of concrete, because right. that, you can't just put up any old concrete. No, like, you've got to have it, because it's going to be carrying a tremendous load. Yes. And lots of vibrations. Thousands and thousands of vehicles That's every right. day. Cars and trucks and buses and military equipment sometimes. Yeah. So. But, uh, oh, getting back to, to Endicott Johnson. So anyway, uh, they plan... Of course, after repairing the facade on that building, then they're going to do some exterior work and then some interior work. So they're going to they're going to fix it up nice. There you go. All right. So Good you, stuff. I'm going to say you as a historian should be. I am appreciating. They're you know, reusing respectful rehabilitation of a building. I should call Roger Luther. Yes, he should, you should. He could take pictures of it. I'm sure he he may have already. But I don't think he has. I think that's one okay. of the one of the few historic buildings Ooh, in, in Roger, the Triple Cities. Get like, down there fast, you know. I wonder if that guy is out there playing with Roger Luther's chickens. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, the, even even I don't go that far. I I I, I do raz Roger on occasion. Well, but I have never run naked through his chicken coop yet. Yet. Yeah, there's always a time. Yeah. There's a time and place for that. And and oh. Roger just smirks at me and ignores me. But uh, that's relevant to talk about. And the reason yeah. why we can talk about it is because that's history. Yes. You know, it's not like we're making it up. In, no. in the history of Broome County. No. no, that was not made up. It was odd and different. And he and his wife survived, which we're very happy that it wasn't more dangerous than it was. Well, and and what I would say about that 
is, you know, not to make light of a, you know, an unusual situation. I mean, clearly the person involved was had issues. Had issues, yeah, yes. You know, and but then that's the thing. Oh, here it is. And the only reason I bring this up, it's not because I want to, it's because it's history. A naked suspect fled yep. police from Chicken Coop in Kirkwood. That's how the newspaper reported Yes. Oh, here's another one. Video. County historian recalls finding suspect naked in his chicken coop. So he did a video on it. It's like... Yes, well, because it's Roger, and he has his camera always at hand. Yeah. Oh, here it made made national news. Florida man. I forgot. It was a Florida guy. Of course it was. Of course it was. Florida guy found naked in Roger Luther's chicken coop after car wreck. Yes. I forgot that he had been involved in a car wreck. Yes. So it's it's like, okay... I remember hearing it on the air and thinking, wait, is that my our Roger Luther? And I thought, yep. Listen to this. Returning home around noon, Roger Luther, noted historian, was met with a swarm of law enforcement vehicles and a helicopter flying overhead. As he quickly learned from the media, the liberal media, state police were in the midst of a manhunt for a suspect who allegedly fled the scene of a crash on Interstate 81. The suspect had been driving a stolen Audi from Florida. Police arrested the guy from Sarasota. Um, The suspect was arrested after the manhunt. He was spotted by noted historian Roger Luther in his chicken coop. Photo provided by Roger Luther. Of course. <laughs> of course it Thank was. you, Roger. Oh, my gosh. Oh, at least that part's pixelated. Yes. Good grief. The guy's in my chicken cook. Chicken cook. The guy's in my chicken coop. He's totally naked and covered with... This is radio. And he's chasing my chickens. When I saw him in the chicken coop, I was just shaken. Not stirred, just shaken. Yeah. Well, sadly, that's all and the time baked. we have. There's no shake and bake that evening. Sadly, sadly, we don't have time for Roger Luther to call in. Thank goodness. <laughs> it's, it's like, I'm sure Roger will send me an email by the time I get home. Oh, and I'll probably get at least an email, if not a personal visit. Anyway, it's yeah. been a pleasure. Yes, indeed. We'll do this again maybe next month. As the kids with that hit song sang back in the 60s. See you in September. Indeed. It's 11.56. You're listening to radio station WNBF. Welcome thing from routine maintenance to a dream remodel. Because however you want your project done, we'll get it done. Download the app or go to Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com to get started. I'm Bob Joseph, live and local on a Thursday morning on News Radio, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. National Weather Service giving us a very nice summer day, a break from the heat and the humidity. Sunshine, just a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Very late in the afternoon, more toward evening, a high in the low 80s. The dew points have been in the 50s, which is very much in the comfortable range. Vestal Police are providing some more information now, including two people died in a crash on the Vestal Parkway late Monday night. Authorities say a Binghamton man was driving the wrong way on the Vestal Parkway between Plaza Drive and Murray Hill Road shortly before 11 p.m. before a head-on collision that killed a Johnson City couple. Based on the initial investigation, police had said a 2019 Chevrolet Equinox was traveling eastbound in the westbound lanes of the parkway when it collided with a 2016 Nissan sedan that was traveling westbound. 
Police say 57-year-old Alfred Latissa and 60-year-old Paula Latissa of Johnson City were in that Nissan. Alfred Latissa was pronounced dead at the scene, while Paul was pronounced dead shortly after arrival at Wilson Hospital. Investigators say the Equinox was driven by 21-year-old Stephen Moran of Binghamton, who was taken to the hospital with what police described as non-life-threatening injuries. His condition was not made available. Uh, the investigation is, go- in, is ongoing. No charges have yet been filed. The parkway was closed until about 8 the following morning as a result of the crash and the investigation. A pastor in western New York is saying that he feels intimidated and harassed after the state attorney general, a Democrat, sent a letter saying she believed a planned far-right political event at his church this week could lead to racial violence. In the letter sent August 3rd, Attorney General Letitia James warned organizers of the Reawaken America tour event that her office could take legal action if extremist rhetoric by speakers spurred violent or unlawful conduct. The two-day event at the Cornerstone Church in Batavia, that's located between Buffalo and Rochester, is scheduled to feature President Donald Trump's son, Eric, former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, and others. James' letter was addressed to Flynn and the event organizer, Clay Clark, but it was sent in care of the church. Cornerstone and church pastor Paul Doyle said there was no validity to the suggestion that the event was promoting racism or violence. He says the letter had scared members of his congregation, a group of about 150 to 200 people, whom he described as multi-ethnic and multiracial. A few dozen people gathered outside the Batavia Church this week to protest the event, which will also feature My Pillow CEO, Mike Lydell, COVID-19 conspiracy theorists, and people who tried to overthrow the results of the 2020 presidential election. James says she's concerned the event, which was being held in a five-year anniversary of the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, could spur extremist or racially motivated violence. New York Governor Kathy Hochul is instructing local governments to have plans in place for preventing domestic terrorism. Counties are being encouraged to develop threat assessment and management teams as part of their domestic terrorism prevention plans with $10 million in state money available to help them. Hochul recently attended a two-day threat assessment and management summit in Oriskany. She discussed the importance of domestic terrorism prevention plans in the wake of the, quote, horrific terror attack in Buffalo, Hochul's hometown. As part of the local prevention plans, county governments are to create and operate threat assessment management teams that will be made up of law enforcement, mental health professionals, school officials, and others given the task of identifying, assessing, and mitigating threats of targeted violence in a community. Executive Order Number 18 directs every county and the city of New York to develop and maintain a plan to address the threat of domestic terrorism, including racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, and orders the New York State Police to establish a new unit in the State Intelligence Center dedicated to tracking domestic violent extremism and to increase social media monitoring for items promoting violent extremism. The attack on a Buffalo supermarket in May in which a white Conklin teen is accused of driving hours from Broome County in order to kill black people reportedly was foreshadowed by postings on social media and previous actions by the defendant during his senior year in high school. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, mostly sunny today, a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms toward evening. A high in the low 80s, partly cloudy tonight, a low in the mid-50s. Sunny tomorrow with a high in the upper 70s. Saturday sunny, a high in the upper 70s. Sunny, partly sunny, on a high in the low 80s. So our news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. 
News Radio. WNBF, Bob Joseph with you on a Thursday morning as we continue opening up the phones to general topics now. 607-772-1290. Call in and talk. This one goes out to the one I love. This one goes out to the one I've left behind. A simple prop to occupy my time. This one goes out to the one I love. And we welcome you back to the uh, live broadcast. Unless you're listening to the podcast, and then I guess you would know it was recorded earlier for your enjoyment at your leisure. Again, 607-772-1290. Also, email bob at wnbf.com. And if you want to talk about local things or national things, I suspect, I suspect, (laughs) I suspect we'll be talking about some national things this hour, so... Buckle up for that. Uh, Matt from Binghamton wrote, little known fact about the guy from Florida. (laughs) To which I can only say, it's possible, but I I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Hmm. Um, Oh, this is interesting. A loyal listener. A loyal listener uh, who heard the conversation on Wednesday's program with the Broome County Aviation Commissioner, Mark Kiefner. Uh, He said, I enjoyed the interview with the Aviation Commissioner. In the context of his explanation of more military and training exercises, I've seen many planes that fit that description. However, this morning, on the north side of Johnson City, a helicopter is buzzing neighborhoods just 100 feet or so in the air. I just had one pass very low over my store a few minutes ago. By the way, this is a message from Johan at Down to Earth Whole Foods in Endicott. Uh, Do any of your listeners care to call in if they've seen this low-flying helicopter? Any idea if it's a military uh, helicopter or local law enforcement or a civilian helicopter and why the low passes are happening? My thought was NYSEG is doing fly-by meter readings, but that was in jest. Thank you, Johan. It was over on uh, Grant Avenue in Endicott, near Union Endicott High School, a few days ago. (laughs) On my way into the station, and uh, because, well, you know, news can happen anywhere, and I happened to meet Johan, and we had a little chat, I think about a week ago, a little over a week ago. So this is... Interesting. Sometimes we do see these low-flying helicopters. And I think, this is my guess, I would think it's probable that it would be a NYSEG helicopter, generally, generally uh, examining NYSEG facilities from above. Now, I think it's weird that there was a helicopter flying very low over the store there in Endicott. 
right off East Main Street. Now, it could also be somebody doing some sort of survey work. Because now it occurs to me, if they're flying low in that area of Endicott, just west of McKinley Avenue, maybe they're doing some sort of stuff. Sometimes they do aerial av or aerial photography sometimes it's things that they do i don't know necessarily that they would use it say for google because google earth is reliant on satellite photos but eh, sometimes i think private companies do aerial surveying for whatever their nefarious reasons are i'm sure they're just trying to Determine whether I'm drinking regular Moxie or Diet Moxie. Anyway, if you've seen that uh, helicopter flying around at low levels, and who knows, maybe it's the maybe it's that new presidential helicopter. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But that still reminds me. I have to get in touch with my friend over at Lockheed and Owego to see if he still has the keys to that. One VH-71 that I thought they still had in the helicopter building. See if I could take that out for traffic and weather together one of these mornings. On a nice sunny morning, can you imagine? Oh, look, there's Bob doing his helicopter traffic report using a VH-71 helicopter. I wonder who signed off on that. It's 11.15. Bob Joseph with you asking the relevant questions such as, who is it? flying at a low level in that helicopter. Yes, you may call 607-772-1290 or write an email to bob at wnbf.com. We're on the air at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available online at wnbf.com. I'm first recording. Dedicated to the former guy. Taking the fifth. Taking the fifth. Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. And apparently his attorneys gave him very wise advice, saying do not answer their questions. Do not, do not answer their questions. And uh, he took full advantage of the Fifth Amendment, says four hours under oath. He sat across from the New York State Attorney General, Letitia James, responding to every question posed by her investigators by repeating the phrase, same answer over and over and over again. Can you imagine how difficult that must have been for him. And in all seriousness, we know he's like a talk show host. He loves to talk. So imagine how difficult this was to strictly adhere to his legal team's instructions. Whatever you do, do Mr. Former Guy, whatever you do, 
don't say anything. Nothing you can say is going to help you. Remember, there's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Don't give them any further ammunition during this interview by the state attorney general's investigators. Lordy, I hope there are tapes. Mr. Trump's refusal to respond substantively to any questions in the court-ordered deposition was an unexpected twist that could determine the course of the attorney general's three-year civil investigation into whether the former guy fraudulently inflated the value of his assets to secure loans and other benefits. So according to the New York Times, it was also an extraordinary moment in an extraordinary week, even by the former guy's standards. Two days after the guy's home was searched by the FBI, in an unrelated investigation, he invoked his Fifth Amendment right while openly questioning the legitimacy of the legal process, as he has with the nation's electoral system, and insulting a law enforcement official sitting just a few feet away. The former guy's only detailed comment according to people who know about the proceeding, was an all-out attack on the Attorney General and her inquiry, which he called a continuation of the greatest witch hunt in the history of our country. So the guy put out a prepared statement. I once asked, if you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? And according to the written statement, I now know the answer to that question. He said that he was being targeted by lawyers, prosecutors, and the news media. So again, he's the victim. (laughs) That's always the case, it seems. He's always the victim. He plays the victim card and then says, please send me money. Or maybe to mix up the email sometimes he will put please send me money because i'm a victim so sometimes he he probably comes out with different emails so he gets more money so ultimately people will send him money so he can spend it ultimately to defend himself and then perhaps to fund his next campaign so as they say we'll see where this leads at this point At this point, nobody knows. It's impossible to predict where we're headed with this. I mean, it could be, be, as they say in the fast food business, it could be a nothing burger, or it could be something like a Watergate burger. So will it be a big burger, three pounds of delicious scandal or will it be one of those little things you'd find on the value menu where she'd be saying where's the beef I mean, we don't know all we can do as americans we we just have to be patient and wait to see where all these investigations go but you have to acknowledge whether you support him or whether you don't you have to acknowledge the situation looks perilous in terms of his potential criminal, potential criminal, and potential civil liability. But as we point out, and we've said this before, as far as we know, he hasn't been charged with anything. 
Now, Tish James may be New York State's best attorney general ever. I think she's definitely a lot better than Eric Schneiderman. But uh, it doesn't mean that this investigation by her office ultimately will result in any action against him. You know, he may he may be fully exonerated. At the end of the investigation, she may put out some sort of report that will acknowledge we spent a lot of time and a lot of money trying to find dirt on the guy, and we were unsuccessful in finding anything that was criminal in nature. That, in fact, may be the outcome. And actually, that's what I hope. I hope for the sake of New York State and for the state sake of this great nation, I hope they find nothing, nothing that would suggest there was any criminal conduct. Because, look, we, we've all been through, we've all been through a lot lately, right? We've been through the COVID, we've been through the heat wave, we've been through, um, what else have we been through? Oh, high gas prices. So we've seen enough. We've had to endure enough, so let us just hope that Tis James, at the state level as well as the Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, let's hope that they find nothing that is provably criminal conduct on the part of the former guy. It's 1124 WNBF. We're here for America. Every weekday from 9 to noon. Their tapes. <laughs> Are there tapes? Gee, I hope so. And I hope Tis James releases the tapes today because I would think that would make for some interesting viewing. I have to make sure I stock, stock up on some movie style popcorn and one of those 78 ounce bottles of Moxie. Vinny from Binghamton, good morning. Hey, good morning, Bob. You know, Bob, I, I kind of got a little prediction of what's going to happen here. Um, I've said it before. I think what they're going to find with Donald Trump is they're going to make it where he cannot run again, take any part of political office. The Republican Party then is going to turn to Ron DeSantis. They'll put him up on the pedestal like they did a couple of years ago with a governor from Wisconsin named Scott Walker. He will um, be challenged. By somebody in the Republican Party, they'll go through it. Then they'll then they'll be they'll be have a nominee, and then that nominee will go against Joe Biden, and they'll lose. And then Donald Trump will talk about 
it was the wrong candidate. I told you this candidate has low energy, blah, 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 blah. I mean, you can see it coming because it's so predictable. No, I think I think the part you have wrong, uh, the Democratic presidential candidate in 2024 is likely to be Kathy Hochul. Even if it's Kathy. It'll but she, she could not be dismissed as a low-energy president. You know, even the former guy would have to admit that Kathy Hochul, who would be, as, as far as I know, uh, one of those rare presidents from western New York, we don't get, in my estimation, as someone in upstate New York, we don't get in this country enough upstate New York presidents. So I think it would be great to have Kathy Hochul as president, especially because she would know exactly where Binghamton is, just like Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton knew where Binghamton and Owego were, and that's why I think a lot of people upstate wanted her to be the president, not because she was such a dynamo or that her policies were great, but she could find Binghamton on a map. Kathy Hochul could find Binghamton on a map. I think think that would be great. I would have no problem with it. I just don't think the rest of the country knows who she is. She'd have to really get out there and, you know. Actually, that's why it's great. So she runs against Ron DeSantis by... The fall of 2024, everybody in the country will know that Ron DeSantis is going to be regarded as the new former guy. So it'll be a new person, Kathy Hochul, who is unknown to people in 49 states against the new former guy. And she might win by 8 million votes. (laughs) I'm serious. No, I'll I'll, I'll take it, too. And, you know, it's kind of like, what is Donald Trump going to say? And I mean... It comes to a point where you, as a person who is a fan of Donald Trump, and you continually have to make excuses for him, after a while that gets you mad, because he continually does it. He can't be quiet. I mean, this goes all the way back until when he said he had, oh, I hired all these detectives, and they've just landed on the Hawaiian Islands, and oh my God, you used to see what they found out about Barack Obama and his birth certificate. And then he found out, no, he didn't. He was just lying. And then when he had the interview with Leslie Stahl, and Mike Pence has to come in, and, and then uh, um, one of the, I just can't remember the girl, she comes in with this big white folder. What is Leslie Stahl? What's this? Oh, this is his health care plan. Oh, they look through it. There's oh, filled with there. blank pages. Yeah, that's Right, it was all blank pages. What kind of what kind of person would run would run his administration like that? Then Mike Pence comes in. Oh well, you know he. You just got to understand him. Here it is. Years later, they were trying to go hang him. Oh, Mike, you better listen to me. Oh, I, I just how can you make excuses day after day after day for this guy? You get mad. You get mad. It's like you know I'm done with him. I'm done with him. I, I you know I tried to, but he, he's just crazy. It's just crazy. And that's where it's at now. You have all those people with anger. Don't blame Pelosi. Don't blame the networks. This is him. Just be quiet. He can't. He can't. And he does not want anybody to forget about him. And as I'm saying, he has to be whoever. If he kick him out of politics, whoever the Republicans, if you want to go with DeSantis, you better go through Trump because you guys made it this way. Personally, one one of the biggest things that would be an obstacle for Governor DeSantis, I think, is for people in in most of America, being called a Florida guy is not meant as a compliment. So that alone could work against him. Now, he might be extremely popular in the Florida state, especially among the guys of the state, but I would think just 
whoever the Democratic candidate is, whether it's Kamala Harris or AOC or Kathy Hochul or even Tis James. Actually, let's put Tis James in the running as as a possible presidential candidate. That'd be unusual for uh, a state attorney general to be nominated by her party to be its presidential candidate. But say it's uh, a campaign involving Tis James and Ron DeSantis, all she has to say during the, de- the debate, I am a New York woman versus a Florida guy. I mean, that alone might end yeah. all discussion. And, and, and I'm not saying that it's fair because it's, oh, tell, I, I know lots of guys who now live in Florida, and they're great guys, but they have to carry that stigma based on, uh, of course, the liberal media that puts out pumps out these stories like at the rate of five or six a week about something bizarro like the Florida guy you know, frolicking naked in a upstate New York historian's chicken coop. I mean, you can't make that stuff up. The guy was not from Pennsylvania. He wasn't from New Jersey. He wasn't even from Wyoming. He was a Florida guy after a crash, they said, on Interstate 81. And while attempting to elude the long arm of the law, he wound up naked in the, the chicken coop. You know, I'm, I'm not being judgmental. You know, it's not obviously he had some issues. But, you know, there is that there is that view among many that, uh, you know, if you're a presidential candidate, look, even uh, when Jeb Bush was running, where was he living? Was he in Texas or where or Florida? Where, where oh, was he's Jeb? Florida. Yeah, he's also, yeah. there's another another. OK, that proves the point. The, even the Republicans wouldn't nominate that Florida guy. And again, not because they're bad guys. I'm sure Ron DeSantis is truly a great guy, at least as great as uh, New York's former governor, George Elmer Pataki. Uh, not as tall, but at least as great. But uh, well, well, you know, sometimes well, you, sometimes you just can't overcome some of the the misconceptions that people have. True, true. But you know, I think one of the things that that made Trump is he went after his own party. He basically said what the Democrats said or wouldn't say. You know, when he went after Jeb Bush, he said, "Your your, your brother did not keep this country safe," and he didn't. Democrats wouldn't say it. I don't know why, but he said it, and he went after. It. I remember him going after Ron Paul's hair, and I mean, he just destroyed. Remember what he said about look. John McCain, Senator yes. John McCain, an American yep. hero, a military hero, and yep. some people thought when Donald Trump said those things about an American hero, John McCain, that that was going to be the end of his candidacy, and it didn't derail it. No, and none of the Republicans running, none of them said anything to Trump about it. Just because like, they were afraid like with, to. They, they, yeah, they, they, didn't, they definitely, I can't speak for all Republican candidates, but I surmise most of the other Republican candidates did not agree with, well, with Trump's assessment. In fact, uh, probably vehemently disagreed with his assessment about John McCain. But the fact is they were all quaking in fear if what would happen to them if they criticize Mr. Trump uh, pu- publicly. That's right. When Bobby, remember, our own George Pataki, he left. This is a gong show. Remember that? He said, I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm out of here. By the way, nope, that's another thing. Show. George Pataki, 
in my opinion, will again be a Republican candidate. He's one of those perennial candidates. He comes out of the woodwork every four years. We don't know what he does for the other three years, but it's almost uh-huh. like clockwork. Suddenly it's like, well, there's George, Mata- uh, George Mataki. George Pataki campaigning in, in Nashua. There he is making the rounds throughout yep. New Hampshire. And it's like, the, in my opinion, the only reason that George Pataki keeps doing it is so he can raise money every four years because there are some people who will donate to any candidate, so that gives him enough money to live for another three years. And then he'll do the same. I'm serious. Uh, It helps his brand. And he also, I believe he also has, I don't know if it's a lobbying firm, he also now has the George Pataki uh, Institute of Fun or something like that. He has an institute uh, name for him. It's George Pataki Institute of Good Times or something, so I'm sure he makes money from that. But I also I also think that he likes being a, a candidate for president every four years, and he, he can raise money from the people who would donate it to his campaign, and that way he doesn't have to worry about the high price of gas for the next three years. Well, the, the gas is going down, man. I, I told oh, man. Them, you know them stickers? Those stickers that Joe Biden, I did this, keep them up. Don't take those down. <laughs> keep them right up. Well, as by the way, as Patrick DeHaan pointed out, these plummeting gas prices, which I think they've now been falling for maybe 60 consecutive days, these plummeting gas prices, in fact, do no harm to the mom-and-pop gas stations in fact that's they're actually yeah. helpful so contrary to some of those erroneous uh comments that were made on on cable news you know it's uh-huh. it's absolutely fine the mom and pop shops like that one on front street that i mentioned that was uh-huh. selling gas for 419 a gallon they're loving it i went in there yeah. i went in there the guy is smiling everybody's happy it's almost yep. dare i say and I shouldn't appropriate this. I mean, people of a certain age know what I'm referencing, but it almost is reminiscent of what they used to call morning in America. And I would actually, I would go so far if, well, not just if Joe Biden chooses to run for a, a second term, which at this point I, I believe is unlikely, but whoever the Democratic candidate is, they can appropriate that popular theme from another candidate going back four decades ago. And for their 2024 fall campaign, they could do sort of uh, um, morning, it's morning again in America. And they could put out hats, like blue hats with uh, white lettering, made in America, by the way. And it says, morning again in America. What do you think about yeah. that? I like that. I like that. And get get one of those sappy voiceover guys. You know the type. It's That's morning. Right. It's the sun is rising, and and yeah. little little Bobby and Sally are getting ready for school while their parents are enjoying a leisurely breakfast and a second cup of coffee. It's morning again in America. And then you just show, for 54 seconds, then you just show random scenes of people smiling. And then said, this is paid for by... Yes. It it is. I mean, what we've gone through with the COVID and, oh, my God. Right. You show show a bunch of healthy people, people at a picnic, people eating hot dogs, maybe for a regional spot in the Northeast, people eating Speedies and beef on Weck. I mean, uh, it, right. whoever the yep. candidate is, she's going to win by 10 million votes. And then 
<laughs> I mean, seriously. And then the former guy is going to be like, please, Twitter, let me back on. I have something to say. And then Elon, no, the, Elon Musk will say, yeah, sure, what the heck? What the, the heck? The Republican Party will realize they have to come back to the middle. <laughs> the, the, the extremists that they invited in yeah. aren't going. So got to sell the house, man. Yeah. Yeah. Good times ahead. I'm looking forward to it. I think think we've only just begun. 1142 WNBF. Dope. Eleven forty-six. This is Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF ninety-two point one FM, twelve ninety AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Yes, indeed. I'm a soul man. With a microphone and, of course, a telephone. Let's take a glance at email, see if there's anything that uh, people have submitted that will shock. Shock. Oh, here's helicopter information. Helicopter information. We're up to the minute when seconds count. Um, Karen writes, Bob, I saw the helicopter as well. It was flying over my house in Johnson City about 5.15 Wednesday afternoon. It was flying very low. My thought was that it was a medical helicopter. I'm not sure, but from what it sounds like, it's making its rounds around Broome County. So maybe, maybe the pilot who's probably listening to 92.1 FM instead of air traffic control, instead of Tracon. Um, so, yeah, the pilot's probably listening to us. So I hope she'll call in and explain why she's flying around Broome County, especially at such a low level. So thanks, Karen. I, I personally haven't seen the helicopter, but, again, if she's flying that low, there must be there must be a good reason. Uh, Alan from Binghamton writes regarding Mr. T, uh, the health of Mr. T. It just proves that not being president is healthier for him. Thank you, Alan from Binghamton. Um, what else? All right. Well, some of these things are... You know, if you're going to criticize elected officials, at least make sure that it's factual. Now, some of these are just some of these witty jabs. I mean, they're they're certainly witty and they're certainly jabs, but I, I don't know. Just taking random random shots at some of our favorite elected officials. Here's something I don't know. What will happen about this? Probably nothing will happen, but since I brought it up on the program a few days ago, it might be 
might be appropriate to note this. Uh, one of our listeners, Sharon, from over on the east side, heard the uh, comment I made about uh, the murals that we've seen popping up, whether in Binghamton or Johnson City, Endicott. I mean, these murals, I think, are great. They certainly liven things up in some spots of the triple C's that need a bit of energy. So Sharon, who heard me mention this, uh, she wrote to a member of city council. She said, um, a colorful mural, a good place for a colorful mural would be at the back of the radio station building downtown. And then she sent a picture to the council member. She said, see attached picture of the blank boring wall on the rear side of the building, the radio building. And then she said, well, if anyone can get this through the budget, I feel you have the power. Uh, She noted, Mr. Bob Joseph from uh, the WNBF radio station may have a few mural suggestions. And uh, Sharon wrote, it's a great location to balance off another mural. And she said it would be excellent for many different venues, things like First Friday, activities at the arena, the Rumble Ponies games, or even shopping and dining. So I don't know if that'll happen. First of all, I, I probably shouldn't even have mentioned that on the air because I I haven't talked with the owner of the building. It could very well be the owner of the building doesn't want a mural on the north side of the building. It's possible, although I think it would look nice because that side of the building, to me, it just looks plain. I love this building. It's It's very much a historic building. This used to be... Uh, home of the Citizens Department Store. I'm standing in what used to be the bargain basement. So if they want, they could put up a mural, I would say. It's 11.52 at News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. WNBF live on a Thursday morning. Back to the phones we go. It's John and Endicott. Good morning. Hey, how you doing, Bob? Good. How are you? Good. Hey, um, I was thinking of that mural you want to paint on your building there. And I think it would be a great one for you, Vinny, and Matt Ryan to put a picture of Donald Trump on there. <laughs> I would support that. Oh, really? I would. I would. What? Uh, are you... Are you being? Are you trying to be funny, or do you think that uh, that could actually happen? Do you think it could happen? You never know. Look how foolish. I mean, we're we're all foolish around here. Look who we keep voting in these politicians. So you never know. Well, I would support that. I I second that uh, proposal. I mean, I'm I obviously I have no control. I'm just a talk show host. So yeah. what what my my, I have no vote in the matter, but say if city council, and uh, I think they have a, a public arts committee or something. If they if they propose it, I will support it. Oh, good. Well, 
if we can't get like Matt Ryan and uh, maybe Vinny the sports. I doubt. I doubt they would, but I will. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like I that idea, and I'll tell you why. Because that way, people will always be able to find our building. Say, if we've got guests right. coming in from town, you just say, "Look for the building that has the larger-than-life mural of uh, former President Donald Trump." Have MBGA on it. Make Binghamton great again. On yes, it. yes, and yeah, home see? home of Binghamton's greatest talk show. Right. So I don't I don't see anything to uh, dispute about that. I think that could be embraced by most residents of Binghamton. I think it'd be good. Yeah, put it up there. All right, I'll propose it. I I don't have money though uh, to to actually pay for it. But if somebody actually makes an official proposal for a Donald Trump mural, because I'm trying to think if that would be about. Well, Vinny and Vinny and Matt have a lot of money. They can put it. They can put it on there. Yeah, but you know, I know them. They don't want to spend their money on a Trump mural. I don't want to spend my money, but I would. I would certainly support anybody who who actually works with an artist. And I don't mean a mean portrait. I mean a nice, a nice, appropriate portrait. Right. Well, okay. that's good. I'm actually glad to hear you mention his name, though, because. You haven't been able to even say his name on the show. Well, that's all part of the other guy, you know. Yeah, I know. But I go back and forth. I I vacillate on that. I mean, sometimes I go with, you know, TFG, the former guy, or sometimes former President Trump. (laughs) No, it's like I've said, you know, if if seriously, and and I know you probably don't believe it, but, but if he were to come in today or call in, we would have a very good interview. I mean, it would be. It'd be yeah, respectful, sure and, and and again, you know, it has nothing to do with any personal feelings. I would ask him all the appropriate questions, and I I suspect he would actually enjoy the interview. It wouldn't be equivalent to being interviewed by Sean Hannity. Actually, I think he would like it better because my questions would be less predictable than Hannity's, and it, it wouldn't sound so gratuitous and sucking up to him. It would just be an appropriate news interview. And I think he would get a well, kick he, out of it. He'd actually, he'd actually understand what he said, too, not like this guy that's in office now. So. <laughs> well, be Anyways, nice. Anyway, hey, thanks, John, for the idea. Okay. Thanks. Have a great day. Yeah. I like the idea. Here, to be fair, though, we could also put side-by-side portraits of... Donald Trump and Joe Biden. That way, everybody would be happy. So we could have two presidents. It'd be sort of like Binghamton's Mount Rushmore. Trump and Biden side by side on the WNBF building. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to WNBF Binghamton.